the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Freedom with Adam Riojas. His goal is not only to inspire you to receive everything God has for you, but to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And now, here's your host, Adam Riojas. Woohoo! Welcome to today's show. We are, I hope you're ready because we're going to have a powerful show today. Um, as you know, we're still going to continue our journey through the book of John, and uh, we're going to uh, begin in John chapter 11. But today I have an amazing uh, guest today. Her, her name is Norma Jean, and I'm going to ask Norma to just tell us a little bit about herself. Uh, before we go to any Q&A, Norma, tell us a little bit about yourself today. All right. Thanks for having me, Adam. I'm, I'm, I so appreciate it. I'm glad you're here. Um, well, first of all, I'm a mom. And a wife of 35 years in November, which is around the corner. And we have four children and 15 grandchildren. Wow. Yes. And so we are very busy. Um, I have been involved in the pro-life movement for about 18 years. And I hate to call it a movement because it really is a way of life, which I was not in. I I didn't realize that, but it's a way of life. So – I have shared my testimony from the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., on the steps of the Supreme Court to in front of Sacramento to in front of any local churches or any, mostly everywhere, (laughs) and a few radio stations as well. Awesome. So, um, you know, from Hawaii to the Midwest to the South, you know, like Albuquerque, New Mexico. So, Yeah. So anyway, I'm a public speaker on the issues of abortion. So, you know, one of the amazing things that I know is that abortion is not a Republican or a Democrat issue. It's a God issue. Mm -hmm. And the reason I feel so strong about this is that man was created in the image of God. And we can go to Genesis chapter one and you can see that man was created in the image of God. And then we can actually even go to Jeremiah chapter one. And it's beautiful how God sanctified and called Jeremiah uh, in the womb, which is powerful to me. The other thing I see is in John in uh, Psalms 139, you see how man was intricately woven. And it actually says in a safe place, which is the womb of a mother. And what's mind boggling to me and that's why I say this isn't a Republican or a Democrat issue. This is a life issue that a baby can feel the presence of God. Mm-hmm. In, in Luke chapter one, when Mary goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, she's already pregnant with Jesus. And as she enters the, the room, a six month baby leaps in the womb at the presence of Mary and Jesus in the womb could literally fill the womb uh, and knew who was in there. That's powerful to me. So let me ask you a question. Do you go to church? Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I've been a Christian for um, 30 years. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, 30 years. So um, actually, maybe longer than that. I'm sorry. I should know that. Well, that's awesome. I mean, you know, when you get over 60, you forget <laughs> everything. You stop counting. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I've been a Christian for about 34 years. That's awesome. Yes. Where do you go to church at? Um, I actually go to Calvary Chapel in Chino Hills. And some of you may know Pastor Jack Hibbs. Um, he's been my pastor for 31 years. That's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I know about you is you're married, your husband's in law enforcement? Yes, my husband's in law enforcement for, it's going to be like 54 years. Wow. Yeah. That keeps you on your toes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So, uh, you know, California is on the verge right now of becoming the most murderous state. Mm-hmm. And and I hate to use that word because it sounds 
uh, it sounds horrible, and it is. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that um, if anybody's ever had an abortion, it's, you know, terminating a life or ending a life. Mm-hmm. But tell me a little bit about where we're headed right now. Okay, so um, I'm involved because of my choices that I made when um, it was, gosh, again, time is over 40 years ago, you know, choosing abortion to end the lives of my children. And um, once I realized what I had done and God had forgiven me, it was quite a process. I don't have time to get into it right now, but... um, it just set a fire underneath me once I accepted God's forgiveness for the sin of ending the lives of my babies, you know. Now, the beautiful thing about when you give to the your life to the Lord, there's total forgiveness. There's real restoration, but there is a process. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that, that there's some healing involved. And what would you tell a woman who got an abortion and— and did it ignorantly without really knowing all the consequences and and gets to a point where she begins to regret what she did. Well, Pastor Adam, I work with a lot of women and um, we, just like me, you're told it's legal, it's safe, it's quick, it's, you know, you'll be fine. They don't tell you anything else. They don't tell you what they're actually doing. And honestly, some women do not want to know what they're really doing uh, because, you know, you know, there's something in you, which is the Lord, the Holy Spirit, even if you're not a believer, is going to say, this is wrong. You know, I was a Catholic at that time. I knew it was wrong. I remember hearing a small voice in my head saying, get up, get off that table. But I didn't. I didn't listen to it. So that's disobedience. So with disobedience comes lots of uh, repercussions. So um, women need to know. When I share my story, they feel so um, free to be able to talk. I've had women tell me, 80-year-old women who have said, I've never told anybody this, but I had an abortion. I was speaking at a conference one time, and a lady an 80-year-old lady came up to me, and I thought she was going to come to me for her granddaughter or something, and it was her. She said, I've never told anybody this, but I had an abortion. And what you said there has freed me up to come. Your story has freed me up to come and let you know. <sighs> I'm, I'm so glad you're here today. Um, so even after you're a Christian and you give your life in, to the Lord and he, and he begins to minister to you. Is there still a process where you feel unworthy and, and um, he's not forgiven me and, and there's guilt, tons of guilt because the Bible's very clear. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Tell me about the journey that you went on before there was total restoration and healing because obviously it must've been painful Yeah, so um, it's interesting that you're even mentioning that right now, because when I first accepted the Lord, you know, you go up to get your Bible, you have a prayer counselor. The first thing on my mind and on my heart was to ask, does God forgive for abortion? And she said, yes. So I thought, whew, I'm good. So fast forward 10 more years you know, walking with the Lord, being involved in ministry, leadership. Um, You know, my husband and I were very involved in leadership. And all of a sudden, I started to experience depression, anxiety, um, suicidal thoughts. I, I don't have time to get all into that. But this was a path that started to become part of my life. And then I thought, well, gosh, to the point where I even doubted my Christianity because I thought, well, why am I, I mean, I'm a Christian. Like, why am I feeling like this? Why am I thinking these thoughts? So then I didn't want to tell anybody because for fear that I would get judged, that people would say, but you're a Christian. Why are you having suicidal thoughts? Why are you depressed? Why are you unhappy? Why are you so, you know, isolated? You know, people would try to get close to me and it was superficial, but I would push them away. 
That's interesting. So you know, a lot of women do that. Wow. And men. Wow. You know, the the Bible says that the enemy of our souls came to kill, steal, and destroy. Mm-hmm. So it took you about 10 years to begin to, where it began to affect your, your life. So you can go many years before you even think about something like this. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, if you just tuned in, you are here with Freedom with Adam Riojas. And we have an amazing uh, uh, guest today. Her name is Norma Jean. And we're talking about abortion um, and its consequences and the total forgiveness you get from God and, and the things that can affect you your rest of your life if, if you don't allow God to take it from you and allow God to heal you. But there has to be a place that happens. And this is what Norma is talking about today. So I know we're headed into a, a very dark place here in California and it's called Proposition One. Um, and again, this is, we're not trying to vote for anybody, uh, a Democrat or Republican. That's not the show. The show is about today, but it definitely is about life, which was created in God's image. So tell me a little bit about this proposition that's going to happen. Well, one of the things that scares me about this proposition is, is I, I was telling you how many women are affected um, by their choices to get an abortion and end the lives of their children. This is going to cause more of that. So you'll have more uh, emotionally and mentally unstable women and men, because this affects men as well. Men become workaholics. They become, um, you know, just all these different things. You know, maybe they can't commit to a relationship for long term or, you know, there's a lot of symptoms for men as well. So this um, this Proposition 1 is so, you know, I really don't have words to describe how I feel when I even think about this. But um, it is an extreme, it's extreme and it fails to include the limitation when a woman can have an abortion during her 40 weeks of pregnancy. So did you say 40 weeks? Yes. So it it's full term. Wow. Okay. And there's a whole other process about what a full term abortion is like. It could be anywhere from five to seven days. And it's a total of like $8,000 in price. Oh my goodness. Um, which our tax money will be paying for that. So it's not your $350, $500 go in one day, abort your baby, because that's 350 to $500, that oh. abortion pr- procedure, the first term, um, first term abortion or the first trimester abortion. But this one is a lot more expensive because there's a lot more involved. And um, basically a woman... You know, they're thinking like, well, this is legal. It's okay. And and because of this <clears throat> proposition, we are going to see more abortion clinics go up in California. Um, so women will feel like, well, they're popping up everywhere. I guess it's okay. It's not okay. It's, do you see what I'm saying? It's like, we are so programmed. Like when I was a teenager, I was so programmed to think, it's just a tissue. It's just, but now they're taking it to the full term of a child right before it's born. And so there's a whole process with that. You inject the, the mother's womb with digoxin, and then you have to um, dilate the cervix with some seaweed sticks that are called laminaria, and then you go through the whole labor. You will feel like you're going to have a baby, like you're going through labor. So the baby's going to be born, but it isn't. But it's going- dead. Wow. Yes, it is dead. So that's troubling to me, um, and because again, sometimes we do things ignorantly without knowing the consequences. And I'm glad you're here today because I I believe you can speak more 
into it because you've had abortions and you know there's forgiveness and you know there's restoration and you know that one day you will see your children again. Mm-hmm. Um, how important it is, it, is it to you to let other women know that, hey, this is horrific. This is something that Democrats and Republicans abhor. This is horrible. And and it, it just moved me so crazy because I have two daughters. And I remember them when I was able to get them to kick and to move and to do things when we sang to them or spoke to them. Mm-hmm. My daughter actually recognized my voice when she was born because, as you know, she started crying because uh, I helped deliver her. There was a shortage of doctors that day. <sighs> and and she was crying. And I went up to her and, and, and I said, baby, don't cry, baby. And she looked at me with her eyes and recognized my voice and she mm-hmm. stopped crying. Yes. So why is it important to you to get out, to get this message out that this is horrific. Well, because we are all created, like you said, in the image of God. And if we are, if, if it's legal to take a baby's life in the womb, what's the difference between a child in the womb and a child outside the womb? Um, I used to go out in front of this abortion clinic in San Bernardino, and there was a man out there who he's he has since passed away. But he used to tell people that would walk up to the abortion clinic with maybe their two or three-year-old or five-year-old, and they're going in for an abortion. And he'd say, hey, why are you killing that one? You might as well just kill that one. Wow. That's how, that you know, what's the difference? Right? So... Um, to save the lives of babies, yeah, I'm very passionate. When God healed me miraculously overnight from depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, um, hopelessness, doubting my Christianity, not wanting to live anymore, I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll shout it from the rooftops to save babies' lives and to prevent women from experiencing the horrors after abortion. There's a lot of women who end up committing suicide. They do. They they are successful. Um, they get into drugs. Um, and I'm speaking for both men and women. <clears throat> they get into drugs. They get into alcohol, you know, uh, substance abu- abuse and um, prostitution, um, on and on because of the self-hatred. And you can never, you're really not forgiving yourself. And you're not, you're not, because you're not a Christian, you're not even reconciling, but you're just medicating. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. It, it to you. does. It, it yeah. makes sense. I, 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 I get it. And I, I think most people that get on drugs and alcohol, they're self-medicating depression. They're mm-hmm. self-medicating uh, self-hatred or hatreds towards another, or they went through some horrible experience, uh, abortion, uh, uh, a loss in the family, uh, a divorce. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I get it. People turn to something that can self-medicate without turning to God. Um, and we all have this God thing in us. The Bible says that we were created um, with this sense of mm-hmm. eternity in us. Mm-hmm. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it tells us that. Mm-hmm. So uh, let, let me ask you a, a question. How long have you been in this ministry of uh, being a, a pro-life advocate? Probably for 18 years now. It, it was as soon as I um, I realized that the Lord actually forgave me, but it was me that wasn't accepting his forgiveness. I thought, oh, no, he can't forgive me for this. Like, this is really bad. This is, you know, killing a child. This is murder. You know, and the Bible's very clear about that. Anybody hurts, you know, uh, any of these children or an innocent child, they might as well just put a millstone. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, that's exactly what it says. You might as well put a millstone and toss them into the sea. And that's total, like, you deserve death. Yes. And so that's how I felt for many, many years. You know, so um, you hide that secret. It's it's a, it's a big secret that you keep to yourself and you don't want anybody to know. And then you think people know. Because you think you're walking around with this letter A on your head, 
and you think, oh, gosh, as soon as you, you know, if the pastor says something about abortion and you flinch or maybe you get tears, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, everybody knows. So then it creates a little paranoia, you know. It's just mentally not, yeah, they're they're not even addressing any of this. It's just, it's going to, you know. Wow. Yeah. Hey, listen, if you just tuned in, this is Freedom with Adam Riojas. As we have a powerful guest today, an advocate of life, uh, Norma Jean, and we've just been going through some questions. Uh, Do you you know what's really wild for me is that we've actually, California has taken out billboards across the nation, and we're inviting people to come get abortions in California, and we're using scripture. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. What does that have to do with it, Norma? What does that have to do with it? What's going on? Yeah. uh, When I saw that, it's like, okay, you're already making, putting laws in. Okay. First of all, it's legal to get an abortion in the state of California. It's been like that up to full, up to nine months of pregnancy. So for them to capitalize on this and make it so like, oh gosh, look at what we're doing. It's legal in the state of California. It has been to get an abortion at nine months of pregnancy and the tax dollars pay for it. So this is another, I I don't know why they're bringing up this issue again, other than it's demonic, right? And it's just very spiritual. So, but then to take out an ad, pay for an ad by the governor and quote scripture saying that, this is what the Lord commands is to love your neighbor by offering abortion in your state. Okay, Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I was born, that state is abortion. It's it's an abortion sanctuary state, okay? I don't know if you've been to New Mexico lately, but it really has affected the economy there. Like, it's a very poor state now. It is. You know? Uh, and why why do you think that is? You're shedding innocent blood. There's people who traveled from London out of the country to come and get an abortion in Albuquerque. Um, It's a very, um, it's an ugly, uh, you know, there's hotels that are, they refer you to if you're going to come for a full-term abortion. You know, you go stay in these hotels until your cervix is complete. You're not going to stay in a hospital, like a hospital beds and all that. Can you imagine how much money that would cost? So it's going to be, you know, you go to this hotel up the street, which, you know, the hotel owners themselves are complicit in the destruction of these babies. And so you go there and you, they tell you, call us when you're, feel like you're ready. You know, it's going through labor right? by yourself. And then, and then you're not telling people where you're at. So what if you die? Because people have died from abortion. Many, many, many women have. It's a dark secret that's mm-hmm. hit. So how do you feel about Roe v. Wade being turned over and the power given back to the states mm-hmm. to decide um, what they're doing? Because I know right now we have about 26 states that have full bans or partial bans on abortion. Um, do well, you- well, it's very positive for pro-lifers. It's definitely positive for pro-lifers, but then you have these states like California and New Mexico, the sanctuary states for abortion, that abortion was already legal here. So, um, you know, that's the same. That's the same. But the the um, overturning of Roe versus Wade, pro-lifers, Christians, we have been praying for that. We have been praying for that. So, yes, it's quite a victory. So there's no surprise that we're getting this backlash of, okay, we're going to do this. So we're going to get even more evil, you know? You know, one of the things that I believe is I believe we are approaching uh, uh, this revival. Mm-hmm. And and in the middle of the re- revival, there are still hearts who are going to be turned mm-hmm. cold, like Paul says. But I also believe that God is awakening his people. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that Roe versus Way was overturned so that as a nation, we don't push it. And it's been left to the individual states. And 
do you think that that uh that God <coughs> is uh uh going to do something because it's innocent blood that's being shed in all these other states. You think God uh, will do something to wake these folks up or what do you think about that? Um, wake up the people putting these laws into, or, or are you talking about the, I'm the ta- church? Yeah, I'm talking <laughs> both the church and wake up the, uh, <coughs> the unbeliever and, and those that could care less that eventually end up having problems. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, I can give you an example. When I <clears throat> I had opened up two pregnancy uh, care centers, and I took a break from that. Um, and I was sitting listening to a speaker, and she was talking about, you know, abortion. And, um, and she said, you know what we're going to need? She says, we're going to need a lot more helpers to help these women who come to the conclusion that they have had an abortion. And so I felt like the Lord was telling me, you need to get, you need to continue to be that, you know, helper, that counselor, that mentor, you know, to help these women. Amen. Well, you know, that's a great way to end the show. Um, I know we're coming up to elections and, and we can't tell you how to vote, but I can tell you that I'm going to vote no on this proposition. I can tell you that Norma Jean's going to vote against the proposition Norma, I I want you to hang out so you can close us in prayer at the second part of our show. But thank you so much for being here with you. Um, We love you. And if you've been in that dark place, know that God can forgive you and that God loves you to the end. And he can restore you. Thank you. Stay tuned with us. The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option that values constitutional rights and medical freedom, serving ages 3 through 6th grade. Hosted by At the Cross Church in Oceanside, they offer in-person classes and electives Tuesday through Thursday, along with the classical conversation community offering foundations and essentials on Mondays. And they're now accepting applications for fall 2022. Visit them online at atthecrossoceanside.com. That's atthecrossoceanside.com. Thank you for tuning back in with us. Freedom with Adam Riojas. We just had an amazing, amazing, powerful uh, guest, Norma Jean, who's an advocate for life. And I, I, I just feel excited because we've been able to do that recently with, uh, with, with another man that we had had, Justin Brooks from the California Innocence Project, who, who frees men that are innocent in prison. And this is exactly what we're talking about. But now as we begin this latter part of our show, and Norma Jean is going to hang out till the end, and she's going to close us in prayer. So stay tuned. Um, as we begin John chapter 11, it's, it's a journey that we take into now uh, looking at the last miracle, the seventh miracle that John speaks about. Jesus performed one more uh, when he when he, the ear of uh, of that Roman soldier was cut off by Peter, but John doesn't mention it. John mentions and uses seven miracles to point out the wonderful working power of God himself because he brings out Jesus as who he is, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. But here we go. We dive into John chapter 11, and it says this, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Um, Scripture tells us that Jesus had a very close relationship with this family. 
Um, in other places in the Bible, we see that they're actually at Simon's house, which is uh, Mary and Martha's brother, um, where they're now are about to encounter soon. But here's what we go. Verse 3 says this, Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, him whom thou lovest is sick. Jesus gets this message. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for his glory, for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. What a powerful uh, statement that is, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. He is saying that something powerful is about to happen, and they didn't really understand because he's on his deathbed. You would think that Jesus would rush there right away, lay hands on him and pray. But remember, Jesus knows all things. Jesus knows what's taking place and knows what is happening. And as we continue in Scripture, verse 5 says this, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he where he was. It wasn't like Jesus didn't care. And you might have been there before when you're making your petition to the Lord and nothing, you get nothing. It's been now two days. Jesus hasn't even attempted to go see Lazarus, whom was very important to him. And so was Martha and Mary. But it's two days later that he still stays in this place. Then after that said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. His disciples said unto Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. You know, Jesus now is, is comparing himself again to being the light. And you remember when we first started this book of John that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. That's one of the powerful I am statements. But he is saying, look, I'm the light. So if you walk with me, we're going to be okay. And if man doesn't walk in the light, he's going to stumble. But look what 10 says. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. There's no one to guide him, no one to show him the way. These things saith he, and after that, he saith unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Now, he made the statement. They're thinking, oh, he's taking a nap. He's, he's just recovering now. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleepeth, he shall do well. Then you don't need to go, Jesus, if he's already napping and if he's already okay. How be it, Jesus, spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Isn't that amazing? It's like reading in, in chapter Thessalonians when um, uh, we have this amazing event that's going to take place. And I believe that it's really soon called the rapture. Now, you're like, that word is not in the Bible. And that's a good point. Listen, if you're studied up and if you never heard this, the, we get our word rapture from the word harpazo, which means caught up, which is used in the Greek which was translated to the Latin, and they used the word rapturo, which means rapture. Harpazo is the Greek word, and it also says that those that have been asleep with the Lord, God will bring with him as well. And so we can see that it's used in other places to say that it means death. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sake that I was not there for the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go on to him. They were still at least a day away from going here. It wasn't like he didn't care. So I want you, listener today, know for a fact that Jesus hears your prayer, that he wants to bless you. It may be, it may be two, three days, four days now, but Jesus answers all prayer, and he uses it for his glory. It's not that he's abandoned you, because scripture is very clear. God will never leave us, nor forsake us. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus. Now, Didymus means twin, and it sounds like Thomas had 
a, a brother who was his twin um, unto his disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Isn't that a strange verse right there? All the disciples uh, didn't show up at the cross except for John the Beloved. And you can see why John was a beloved because he was the youngest of all of the disciples. And there's no doubt that there was a special, a special affection going on because John mentions it in a couple of places. He put his chest on, on Jesus, his hand, his, excuse me, his head on Jesus's bosom. And then he asks him a question, but let's go back to this. Um, let us also go that we may die. None of them showed up except for John at the cross. So it's interesting that Thomas says this. And, and later on, we see that Thomas takes this crazy turn when he, when Jesus has already risen from uh, the dead, but somehow he didn't believe. And this is where we get doubting Thomas, Thomas, uh, and verse uh, 20, John chapter 20, verse 24 says, Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I see his hands and the prints of the nails and put my finger into his prints of the nails and thrust my hand onto his side. I will not believe what a turn he makes later on. He's willing to die here, but a few days later, when Jesus is about to, to, to be crucified, he, he doubts and he, and he's already now on the cross and, and he, and I'm sure from far away, he probably saw what was happening. And he says, unless I do these things, I will not believe. That reminds me of so much of you and I, we need to see the evidence. Show me the goods, show me the goods. This is a journey of faith, but faith is no longer something that we can't see. Faith is the evidence of something of, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's being assured that you're asking that, that God is able to perform. But somehow Thomas had got into this place. But after Thomas sees him, he's blown away when Jesus says, look, here I am. Put your hands and th your finger through my hands. And he goes through this whole little explanation Thomas says this when he when Jesus tells him that answered and said unto him my Lord and my God he calls him master my God isn't that powerful but hey if you're in that place and, and you've turned from following Jesus because you're in this place of doubt of insecurity you may have had an abortion you, you may have lost somebody recently you may have been the father of the abortion and it's haunting you. It's hurting you. Know that there's forgiveness. Know that you can come to Jesus and, and know that he can manifest himself to you in a powerful way, just like he did to Thomas. And, and as we pick it up back in, in chapter 11, it says this, but Hey, listen, if you just tuned in, this is freedom with Adam Riojas, and I'm so glad you're here with us on the radio as we're going through the book of John, and we're in chapter 11, verse 17, as Thomas says he's ready to die for him, and we just saw that later he doubted, but look at 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had already lain in the grave four days already. I didn't say one day or two days or three days. The Bible said he had been dead four days. Days, which is a powerful scripture. You know, the Jews didn't officially believe you were dead until after the third day. And so Jesus did it perfectly. He, he rose them on the fourth day. What an amazing, powerful miracle that, he, that he's about to do and you're about to hear about it. Verse 18 of chapter 11 says this. Now, Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Sounds right to me. They're comforting them. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still at her house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. 
That is an apro response. If you had been here, Jesus, you could have kept him alive. I, I, I'm sure in her head, she's being reminded, she's seen clearly in the theater of her mind all these miracles that Jesus had already performed. I'm sure she knew about the about the, the child that Jesus had risen from the dead. I'm sure he saw him heal the leopard, give their sight back to those that were blind, the hearing back to those that were deaf. If you had been here, Jesus, it wouldn't have happened. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou ask of God, God will give it to you. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Listen, if you've ever had a death in your family, regardless of how that happened, and if you've ever experienced someone that has died, whether it was in an abortion, in an auto crash, by a sickness, by a, a homicide, something horrific. Once you give your life to the Lord and say, Jesus, come into my heart, I believe you died for my sins. I, I, I believe you rose on the third day. Forgive me, be my Lord, be my God, help me, God. You will hear this as well. Thy brother or whoever shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. It's a perfect response. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection. And you know what's powerful about this, this fifth time that the great I am is used? I am the resurrection. Let me remind you of the first time that Jesus spoke these words. In John 6.35, we heard it for the first time. I am the bread of life. You know what that means? That he can sustain you, that, that he can nourish you. Um, in John 8.12, it's a second time. I am the light of the world. He can be a lamp to your feet, a light to show you direction. The third time is used, I am the door, John 10, 9, is, is we need to walk by this door. You've entered through doors before. If it's locked, you can't get in. This door is always open. You can always walk through this door. And that invitation is now, I am the door, John 10, 9. John 10, 11, it's used twice in the chapter where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Every time I read the verse, I am reminded of what King David, the young shepherd who rose to be the king, said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's saying God can provide everything. And David used it perfectly because he was a shepherd before. He understood that the shepherd gives the life for the sheep. He understands when they walk to perilous times that he's there to defend them. Let me repeat that for you. David said this in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. Wow, he restoreth my soul. Isn't that amazing? That's what Jesus does. And you know what he does is he puts a table before us in the presence of our enemy, anoints my head, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will do well. In the house of the Lord, of the Lord forever, and now the fifth time in eleven twenty five, where he says, "I am the resurrection." That is powerful. He is the life giver, and of course, we know that later on in in, in fourteen six, uh, fourteen six, when Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life," John fifty one, "I am the vine," but the most powerful one is found in John 8, 58, when Jesus, they're mocking him and talking crazy to him. And, and, and he throws out this bomb that goes off when he says, Jesus said unto them, barely, barely, or truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Exactly what the messenger, what that angel of the Lord said when he was in the middle of the burning bush to Moses, 
I am. Moses is all confused. Who should I say sent me? I am that I am. I am ascending you. I am. I am. Verse 26 says this. And whosoever believeth and believeth in me shall never die. uh, Believest thou this? He's offering life. You'll never die. She said unto him, yes, Lord. I believe that thou art the Christ, the son of God, which should come into the world. And when Jesus had, had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master is come and calleth for you. Jesus never called for her. But Mary is so excited and understood that that invitation was an open invitation to come to Jesus. I can tell you now that, that Jesus is here and that Jesus is alive and that you can come to him and that he's a forgiven, he's a God that restores, that he is the resurrection. So many people are looking for immortality here on planet Earth. Today I saw this video about two billionaires sitting around with with some black women and telling them, hey, I want you to 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 get pregnant and and give me your your aborted parts so that I can use them so that I can get the stem from them. It'll give me more life. That is crazy. You're going to die. And that's a fact. I know nobody right now that's over 110 years old. You may know someone that's a little older than that, but not much. Because the reality is that we all have an appointed day with death. Regardless, you could never have immortality on planet Earth because Jesus is the resurrection. As she heard that, she arose quickly and came on to him. Now, Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in a place where Martha met him and the Jews, which were with her in the house and comforted her. And when they saw Mary, she rose up hastily and went out, followed her saying, she goeth onto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, fall at Jesus feet today. Call unto him. He can restore you. Look, you may be in a state right now where you're thinking of, of ending the life of your baby in the womb. You may be in a state now where you're thinking of ending your own life. You may be in a state where you lost someone recently. Fall at the feet of Jesus, just like this woman did. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and and said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible, it never says that Jesus laughed. I'm sure he laughed. I'm sure he smiled. But we see here that he wept and we see it in other places. He wept. I I don't believe that it was just for that moment there. I believe he's just weeping for humanity. The unbelief of humanity and seeing his creation in the state that we are now. Then, then said the Jews, behold, how we loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh for he had been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, I, I said, said I not unto thee? That if thou wouldest believe, thou should see the glory of God. They're about to see the glory of God. Listen, when Jesus says something, move on it. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was, where he was dead and he was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. When Jesus... When he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice and he said this, Lazarus, come forth. You know what? I believe if he would have just come forth, I believe every dead person would have came out because that's the voice of God. But here we see him calling him by name. He that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus said, I'm to lose him. Let him Go. 
Then many of the Jews who came to Mary had seen the things what Jesus did, believed on him. Today's your chance to believe on him. It's simple. It's simple. It's so simple that it's crass to the world, that it's foolishness. The foolishness of the cross to them that perish. It's foolishness. The cross is foolishness. But he's alive now. And he's performed thousands, millions, billions of miracles. Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me. I believe that you're God. Save me, Lord. Wow. And now we have the pleasure of Norma Jean closing us in prayer. Thank you. As Lord, as um, Pastor Adam was quoting all those scriptures, excuse me, brought me back to everything that I prayed. I asked, I sought you. I wanted you to search my heart to see if there was anything that needed to be changed. And so you brought me to my knees and said, I have forgiven you for those abortions. So if there's anybody out there, God, we just we just pray that God would, um, that he is listening, that you would know he is listening. And if you need to get to that point as you're searching, seeking for help, we just pray that you would accept God's forgiveness and release those chains of bondage and set you free from the sin of abortion. Uh, it's like being in prison when you have ended the life of your children. And God, we just pray for um, people to humble themselves, ask and believe that God has healed you and will heal you. And Father, we just pray, God, that those that are listening to this, that you would move on their hearts and that there would be no doubt at all. We just ask and praise you and thank you, God, for this radio station and all these wonderful people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Choose life. God loves you. Choose life. We love you and thank you for tuning in with us today. Thanks for listening to Freedom with Adam Riojas. If you'd like to contact Adam, email him at freedom at adamriojas.com. Make sure to tune in next week at 5 p.m. here on K-Praise. If you missed a show, go to your favorite podcast provider and search Freedom with Adam Riojas. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.